0: Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting alkaline ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio1000 is the latest edition of the BMP1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. WatersCo was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984 and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage at PeteEvans.com to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Jamie, good morning and thank you so much for being a part of our conversation. How are you, brother?
1: Yes, I am good in these peculiar times. Well, maybe like life was always peculiar and now we're just catching up with it.
0: It could be. It's like someone just turned the dial up. It's got stuck on really fucking peculiar. <laughs> and, and there's many of us that are trying to pull it back down to be of a uh, somewhat I don't even know what what word to call it but uh, cuz I don't you mean like, Yeah, that that's probably a good name for it. Yeah. Or un- understandable. <laughs> yeah. How have you dealt with the last uh, 16 to 18 months and and I, I know you're a huge fan of Ram Das, and, and I loved your film. Like, remarkable, oh, like, seriously remarkable film, my friend. Uh, my wife and I cried in it. And um, for anyone listening or watching this, uh, Jamie created a film called Becoming Nobody. And uh, I'd love to have a chat to you about how we could get that on the platform down the track. But it is a sensational film about Ram Das. And the reason that I'm asking, how have you dealt with the last year and a half? Because you've been on this journey of life for so long, um, one of the things that always comes to mind is the rumdar saying, "When uh, if you think you're spiritually enlightened, go sp- spend a weekend or a week with your family again." And mm-hmm. and that seems to have resonated with me over the last year and a half. That if you think you've uh, dealt with your shadow work or your demons, or you think you're enlightened. Here we go. Here's the actual challenge for you right now, this last year and a half. so I'm going to hand it over to you and uh, t- take me. Yeah, I mean,
1: for me, for my personal mission, which is to bring people's attention to how edited we all are, how through our childhood we've, through the feedback we got as kids about what was and wasn't welcome about us, we edited ourselves down to a very small percentage of the potential of what we could be. Um, And in order to never feel those feelings of pain again, we also created lots of different characters in our heads to constantly scan for when that pain might come again and hold that door shut. And that's the constant thinking that goes on, which is mainly just like um, controlling and fantasizing and scanning for self-protection. And it's the way that we have formed ourselves uh, as children has limited us so, so much. Most people are so terrified what other people think. They're so out of touch with their body and their comfort to be sort of sexy because someone once went, Oh, stop that, it's dirty. Uh, When they were little, they're so out of touch with being big and excited and sharing their passions because that's arrogant. That's being an attention seeker. That's showing off. They're so out of touch with their vulnerability and being able to share their anger or their tears. I mean, like massive swathes of being a human were kind of like locked off in the name of fitting in and not alienating our parents and carers. But most people are going around not only massively edited down, but in such a sleep state that they're radio station in their head what we call head fm of all these different voices trying to protect us from when we were children um, and it's on so loud and so continuously that people th- think that's who i am is that constant radio show um that people are not only massively edited down but they're also in a sleep state to their mind um the moment there's a trigger or an anxiety or anything that happens at all the lovely wise kind present version of us goes to sleep and this um basically regressed child takes over. We don't even notice. We just think that's who we are. And we start believing these very, very urgent things that must happen and mustn't happen. Because of that predicament that we're all in, my mission on earth is to sort of wake everybody up to that and bring back, if anything, bring back the consciousness of the lovely, wise, kind human that lives inside and have that making the decisions, have that directing us, have that open-heartedness be our compass, um, and do it with a lot of laughter and playfulness and just to admit we're all crazy. Um, the wonderful thing for me in that mission is that in the last 18 months, people have have had their nose rubbed in what I just said a lot more. Like you say, people have had to slow down. Often they've had to work less. They've been at home. They've had to face their demons. They've had to face things that there were usually a thousand more distractions. They could get away. They could go to the pub. They could go to the yoga thing. They could go to... the Movie, they could go to all kinds of places to to escape the feelings um, of what it's like being a vulnerable, fallible uh, human. So a lot of people have been sort of pushed more into their vulnerability and pushed more into the feelings that we've had so many ways to avoid. And that's where I come in. (laughs) And um, so it's been really great for me uh, because it's basically – Allowed me to reach a lot more people who have found the kinds of things I'm talking about much more in their face. Um, on a personal note, it it's been a mixture of wonderful in that I didn't like going out that much anyway. Um, so like being a recluse or being like a little bit introverted. Like I'm quite extrovert in my professional life, but I'm quite introvert in my personal life. Um, so it's lovely to have an excuse to not have to go anywhere or feel bad about being in a lot. Um, But it's been really tough as well in many ways. Like I was in a relationship with an Australian girl, which recently ended uh, quite painfully. And a large part of that was not being able to see each other for the last eight months, having to do it through a screen. I mean, that wasn't the only issue, but... um, running in long-term being in love with someone relationship through a screen for eight months is a journey, you know, and especially when they're in a different, massively different time zone, having to catch each other at the beginning or the end of each day. And maybe, you know, if one or the other doesn't want to speak that time or they're busy or they're whatever, you, you know, there's a whole nother 24 hours before you're going to connect and you might not want it to be like that. And, you know, like, there's just so many things to lock into each other's harmony when you're not in each other's vibration you haven't touched each other or kissed or hugged even or if there's a problem or a dynamic you can't actually have real eye contact you're looking through a screen can't smell each other you can't be in each other's frequency it was a really tough 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 journey watching that relationship fall apart um some days amazing some days hard so I'm, i'm still recovering from the pain of that at the moment. It was only like seven weeks ago that we parted. So it was very polar. On one side, it was great. And on the other side, it was uh,
0: heartbreaking. Mm, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by what you just said then about uh, being an introvert and an extrovert at the same time for your career, because I, I resonate very deeply with that. I've had a very public persona for, for the last couple of decades working in the mainstream arena. And people often find it interesting that I'm pretty much a hermit. Quite, <laughs> I'm not doing that like, and, and and I'm curious as to whether we create these dualities in our life as some sort of coping mechanism for something that, um, that we can put a mask on and experience something in one realm and then part of us really wants the other thing. Robin Williams comes to mind as the great comedian, as somebody mm. that was so brilliant at his craft on stage. But at the same time, when you heard him speak about himself, very insecure and, and very, very much shied away from, from being in the limelight. But he was just mm. so freaking talented. We're both the channel... And a human,
1: do you know what I mean? Like we're, we're living in two places at once, and Ramdas talks about that as love, you know as well looking through the eyes of loving awareness, you know, looking through the eyes of the soul while being a human. The human in us has been wounded, has jealousy, has excitement, has um, doubts, has all the things about being a human, and the channel in us doesn't really have any of those things. The part which moves us. Uh, when we open the channel and we're fully in our inspiration, we're fully in our song or fully in our laughter or dance, you're not kind of doing it. It's doing you. You're yin when you're in the channel. Um, and that's a really great place to be. It's where all creativity comes from. That's why a lot of artists, they say, yeah, it's really coming through. You feel like a channel for it all coming through. When you're giving a talk and you're in a really good flow, you're not planning every word. You're just connecting to the desire and love in your heart for them to get something. And the channel takes over, thank God. Um, When you're making love and you're so yin, you're so listening, you're so sensitive and you're using that as your compass to really, really tune in. Or parenting is another great example. You're totally tuning into that kid and listening so deeply and your love just responds. You don't need to plan anything. Your Your humanity doesn't really need to get so involved. You're just moved by what's true and you're in the channel. Um, But there's another whole part of us that has self-doubt, that has been forced into an individual ego, that has got competitiveness, that has got alienation, that's got loneliness, that's got the confusion of being separated from spirit or separated from the mother or whatever. That's all going on in parallel. So we're like egos trying to act more like souls a lot of the time. And the trick is, is to drop back into the soul without sort of like acting more like it. You know what I mean? Um, and so yeah, the 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 ego part of us has a lot of things that every human has to deal with because it's a big deal to be when you're in the channel, you're part of everything. Um, but when you're not in the channel, you're an individual, and I'm separate from you, and I've got my needs, and you've got your needs, and I've got my preferences, and you've got your preferences, um, and that's where a lot of the problems. Ah, you know, Um, so it makes perfect sense to me that we're all living in a dual situation as being an individuated human. I think I'm Jamie, you think you're Pete, while at the same time, we're all part of this bigger thing that we can tap into. And if you're lucky, if you're a singer or a dancer or someone like Robin Williams, who does it through comedy, or I'm sure when you're doing your cooking sort of food like thing and it's all just coming through, You're not thinking, oh, a pinch of this. No, you're not kind of regulating it so much. You're just being taken by the flow. When we laugh, we're just taken by the flow. We don't laugh on purpose. We're relaxed and a laugh just comes through us or a smile. Um, Again, that's when the bigger channel is moving us and and spending as much time in that channel. It's not that recommended by people who are trying to protect their ego because there's a much less defined result The ego is much more about spreadsheets. I'm going to do this and this and this, and then this will be the outcome and we can feel in control and away from all risk, which is what the ego loves. The channel doesn't tell you what the outcome is going to be. You can look like a fool. You can look vulnerable. You can look all kinds of things that the ego doesn't want to look. So you have to kind of have not exactly courage, but you have to let go of the human ego, self-protection, tight assed attitude in order to be in the channel. And therefore many people will never do it.
0: Uh, it's so interesting that you say that because i had a huge fear of public speaking pretty much throughout my whole life and and went and saw different therapists different modalities to help me along this journey because intuitively i know that i knew that i had a uh, a journey to partake in the public realm and as mentioned i've ha- have managed to do that over the last couple of decades and now i'm i'm taking a, another step outside of that once again because I feel like I achieved what I set out to achieve in that realm, which was self-confidence, uh, being able to be very comfortable in any situation, whether I was talking to one person or a room full of a thousand or on television in front of millions of people. I got to the point where I was neutral to all of it, which was a, a I thought was my biggest challenge in life. Or one of my biggest challenges was getting to that point where I didn't give a fuck anymore. I was just me. And I'll never forget the day that I got up on stage for the first time and I wasn't scared to talk. And how I did that, I mean, there was a multitude of steps to get there, but the main one was I stopped planning as much as I mm. could. I, I, I gave away all my, all my charts and my flow, my flow sheet or whatever it was, my talking points. I had a couple, but then I thought, fuck it, I'm just going to get up on stage and just talk. And it was the most liberating experience for me because it was the best delivery that I had ever done. I don't really remember what I said, but it just felt so authentic in that moment. Yeah. Well,
1: that's how you are all day. That's the main thing that we plan so much stuff is like, when you and I are talking now, or when you're just like operating in your daily life, you don't plan what you're going to say. You just connect to your heart that maybe has a desire for someone to know something. Like if you say to me, how do I get to the corner shop? Immediately, I have the desire for you to know where the corner shop is. And, and I just, my mouth goes, you go down to the left, second lights, there's a tree, you know, like you don't plan it. And we talk. We, we do this in the Insanely Gifted workshop, is people give a talk um, on a subject <clears throat> that they don't know what they're going to talk about until they open the piece of paper and start talking as an expert that moment on their given subject. They don't know what it's going to be until they start talking. Um, the way that we speak beautifully and fluidly is, is by meeting the, desi- the love and desire in our heart for you to, for you to get something. So if, if all you do is you just tune in to them knowing something about whatever it is you want to talk about, nutrition or, or um, you know the joy of health or whatever, if you just connect the desire in your loving heart for someone to get something, your mouth will do the rest. You don't have to get involved. Nearly all of our human processes are done for us. And yet, people are so scared of exposure and looking stupid and looking vulnerable, looking embarrassed, looking like they don't know what's going on that they think they have to plan everything um, in public. Even though you never do it, you totally trust your mouth ninety nine percent of the time. Why not trust it then? It's like your digestive system. When you eat food, you don't go carrots coming down. You know, you you totally trust that your digestive system knows how to do the job it's meant to do. And your mouth knows how to do the job. What it's meant to do is trust, is it supposed to channel the desire of your heart in communication. Your only job is to get the desire in your heart true. And then your mouth will do the rest.
0: One of the things I wanted to chat to you about was one of the realizations I've had over the years is the concept of purpose in life. And the further I've walked it, this journey or, or crawled along this journey or stumbled is that i've come to the realization my perception is that the purpose in our life is to creatively express ourselves in whichever form it manifests whichever way flows for us and when i decided to reach out to you and, and and have a chat this was something that i really wanted to have a chat to you about was the creative expression of a human being because I know that you've worn many hats in your journey so far, and many of them have been in that creative expression or pursuit of sharing your creative expression or others creative expression. And over the years with the people that we've helped in the nutritional journey, the greatest joy that I've had is not so much the health benefits because that happens pretty much miraculously every time but it's what happens after that it's the when people tell me now i get to do the things that i've always wanted to do in this life i can dance again or i can paint or i can contribute in this way it's that self-expression that seems to flow once the energetic channels are open so i wanted to talk to you about creative expression what it means to you and why you teach these things Yeah, okay. So for for creative expression, I translate that just
1: meaning following my excitement. Um, Following, and you've got to be enough in touch with your feelings to know what makes you excited and enough past your shame of not wanting other people to think that you're shallow or think that you're arrogant or think that you're many, many other things that you shouldn't be that society has told us not to be, to even be able to feel those feelings of excitement. But you know, every project that I've made, I'm the first customer for. Like you talk about the Ramdas movie, I just think I get excited. God, I really wish there was a movie which was the ultimate Ramdas transmission that everyone could see. This film, which show how funny he is, how naughty he is, how beautifully humane he is. His other movies that he's in are great, but they don't remotely get across his essence to me. Uh, wow, that film! And so I feel that excitement in my body now because I'm somebody who cares about listening to how my body feels and is actually that people talk about the still small voice within, you know, what I call the channel. Um, I've been listening to that all my life and, um, and we've all got lots of reasons to not listen to it because if we follow that channel, there's not a defined outcome, as I said before. And if the, in the ego's quest to never have any risk, never have any exposure, never have any vulnerability, that voice doesn't really factor because it doesn't fit with that mission. There is vulnerability. There is chaos. There is uncertainty in following that voice, that feeling. But I, you know, I'm, I've been lucky in a way that, and I won't sort of talk about too much why, but I've been lucky that that voice hasn't been so quiet. You know, I've like really heard it loud and clear. Um, and because in my childhood I was a bit of a problem child, I never really had the attachment of pleasing the grown-ups all the time. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, I was lucky that I didn't need to squash that voice in order to be appropriate or squash that voice to fit in, because I knew I wasn't going to fit in from a very, very young age. It was made very clear to me that I didn't fit in. Uh, so that ship had sailed for me. So that was actually kind of painful, but a benefit. Um, so I could still keep listening to that voice. So there's an excitement that goes, oh, I want everybody to know how great Ramdas is. And following that excitement, following that attraction as my compass is what creativity is. Or it might just be, oh, I want to tell Pete um, all about this beautiful day I spent in nature because it was so inspiring. And I just like following that is, is being creative. You know, just following what is the pull of the excitement. And, and what it all boils down to for me is a bid for intimacy. When I make a film or I give a talk or run a workshop or even working one-on-one for people, with people, it, for me, it's a bid for in- intimacy. By by sharing what's the excitement in my heart or the passion in my heart is a way to connect with you and not be so lonely, not be so individuated. It's like, hey, look at this. And then we can all love laugh at it together or love it together or commune with it together or we'll go and see the Ramdas film and all appreciate him together. Most of the creative channel and being creative is a bid to be in connection with. Other people, you know, no, very few, few people do tons of paintings or write lots of music just for themselves that no one else is ever going to hear. It's a way to connect with other people so they can see it and go, oh, yeah, I feel like that, too. Um, people who understand our paintings or people who understand our talks or people who resonate with us, they think, oh, yeah, me, too. Me, too, in a good way. Um So that's, that's why be creative and um, how to be creative is again, it's, it's, I talk about this a lot in all the talks is, you know, we're very, very developed in our yang. There's our yin and there's our yang. You've all seen the yin yang sign. The yang, which we're trained in since birth is totally out of balance with our yin. The yang is up here. We're taught in school, control everything, make things how you want, generate it, do things, use your will, get from here to there um penetrate the world control it and that's how we're taught to live is to sort of use our will to control the world to how we want it to be or our lives or get the exam or learn the thing do things on purpose and have results and that's kind of penetrating the world with our yang there's another whole half of us that is never taught really in schools which is so fundamental to the treasure of life which is the yin which is the receptive part of us the part that is impacted the part where an idea pops into our head, the part that is moved by the beat, the part that is laughed when something is funny, you don't laugh on purpose, Um, the listening curious part of us, that, that can hear that excitement and know it, that can hear... The truth. You know, like a lot of people work out, should I be in this relationship? Well, here's my list of pros, here's my list of cons. But the only real way to decide whether you should be in that relationship or make whatever choice for your life you need to make is to not be again using your yang mind and your will to make lists that you can calculate, is to stop, empty, listen, feel, and just ask your womb or ask your belly or ask your heart what's true. And you'll hear immediately if you stop and go empty and listen, you'll hear your truth. And if you stop and empty and listen, you'll hear the creative channel and what's true for you in your passion and your creativity. There may be a bunch of interference of, oh, people might think I'm an idiot if I do that, or people might think I'm soppy if I do that, or people might think, you know, that I'm mediocre if I do that. That, that. All that human nonsense might come in, but if you just keep stopping and listening, you'll hear behind it what's really, really true for you. You may not have the courage to do it, but you'll know what's true. And knowing what's true is level one, acting on it, is level two,
0: and it takes yin and listening to do that. Fascinating because uh, it's the yin part is something that I'm discovering over the last six to twelve months because I've been so yang for so long. <laughs> in, uh, the yin, and I have to credit my wife Nick for this because she's she has witnessed that in me as well, and now we go to or I. Go with her to yin classes, yin yoga classes. And at the moment, where my focus is, or one of my focuses, is to relax more, is to really rejuvenate, really take time to uh, soak in that yin space instead of being the workaholic doer, creator, manifester, nonstop, boom, 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 boom. What do I've got to achieve in this life? And it's, um, from somebody that's done that all their life, stepping into and appreciating and acknowledging that yin part is quite foreign to me. You know, it's quite foreign and it's it's still, I would say, a challenge for me, you know, to still partake in that. But I'm curious about it too, about what those sort of barriers are for me and, and to cultivate a deeper understanding of, of why I need this and why it's such a, uh, a beautiful experience for me and what will flow from that is what I'm curious about too. It's the real you.
1: The part that you hear when you stop and listen is actually who you really are. The part that's busy doing lists and rushing around and achieving things is like a compensatory, busy bee. Um, I mean, the yang and doing things is important. But only when the yin has listened first and gone, ah, we need to do this. And then it says to the yang, go and make that happen on earth. But if the yang jumps in before it's really listening to the yin, it's just an ego trip or a compensatory trip or a hiding trip or, a you know, making up for how I feel inadequate trip. I always think the yang doing, which is a very, very important part of our nature, the part that does stuff on, on earth, is a great servant to the yin listening. So stage one in creativity is stop, listen, feel. Really feel, oh, yeah, that feels true, or yeah, that feels inspiring, or yeah, that oh, that moves me. So that takes stopping and listening and being curious and being internal. And then when you've heard yourself, you oh, yeah, that really turns me on. Then you jump into the yang and go, okay, let's buy some wood and some nails and hammer that shit together. Um, so a lot of people say that the yin is feminine, and the yang is masculine not in a gender way but in a sort of electricity way and that kind of works in the home as well that the the yang as the servant to the yin you know the masculine as the servant to the feminine really really works when we're serving the feminine then the world is in harmony when we're building a home so that the family can feel safe and nurtured when we're slaying our dragons or riding our dragons or earning money or whatever so that everyone's got food and the old people are looked after and the kids are educated intelligently then everything's in harmony when we are in service to the family service to the mother service to planet earth looking after nature gardening we feel good we feel in harmony you know whenever we're doing any gardening. You always feel amazing afterwards when you've just been a little bit of a part of that process of serving the great divine feminine, which is what gardening is. Um, you always, always feel good. And it takes a lot of people rushing around and realising it was pointless. They, they wait till the end of their lives before they start gardening. A lot of people don't start gardening till they're really old because they're so rushing around until they realise that that's where it's at. It's being in service to the feminine, whether it be service to the home, the family. Um, your own creativity, mother earth, the gardening, being doing our doing. we've got to do something, but why? Do it to make lots of money and look cool? Oh, that never really works out very well. How many happy rich people do you know? Doing stuff to rush around for everyone to think that we're great and and that we're worthy and we're
0: not we're not um, a waste of space and and all the things they told us at school. Again, I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit Evolvenetwork.tv. That's Evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical, or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions, or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.